Welcome to EMP Episode 3. I'm your host, Kyle Stalick, Community Manager at Eidos Montreal. For this episode, I sat down and discussed the upcoming DLC, The Missing Link, with three of the lead project members. And this isn't just filler content. New information abounds in this show. Without further ado, here's Episode 3. like you get the rims and everything you know like the projector lights that we have in the dlc there's just like it's not just like a light you actually left the the rims from the the globe or whatever the light is from like here look at this all the little arcs it's beautiful did you draw inspiration from those lights are you recording right now oh yes oh you're recording yeah i don't know i don't i don't do lighting i just <laughs> noticed that it's beautiful mary saw that i was recording and she's just like zipped up <laughs> yeah yeah i like it clowns with yep all right, Mary, do you want to introduce yourself? You can be the first one. I said I don't <laughs> want to be first. <laughs> All right. Mary never wants to be first. <laughs> we'll let Yakety Sax over there introduce himself first. Yeah, go ahead. He was talking about you. Oh. All right. Get off your phone. I'm taking pictures. You're not taking pictures. I'm you're typing. Tw- I'm well, tweeting this. The way the phone is oh. angled, I don't want to know what kind of pictures you're taking. Hey, stay on target. Yeah, <laughs> this is sort of already messing in. All right, Antoine. Can we start? Uh, you go. Well, you just said my name. You know, introduce yourself, your involvement on this project. What, you know? right. My name is Antoine Teasdale. Uh, I'm a game designer on Human Revolution, as well as Human Revolution, uh, The Missing Link. Who, Mary? Or you, you're pointing to Mark. Marc-Andre. Okay. Yeah. Mary's shy. Um, my name is Marc-Andre Dufal. I'm the production coordinator on uh, both uh, Do Sex Human Revolution and Do Sex Human Revolution, The Missing Link. And I am Mary Demarle. I am the lead writer and narrative game designer on both the ASX Human Revolution and the ASX Human Revolution, The Missing Link. And I'm very, I appreciate you being here, Mary, because you just looked at me like I kicked your dog or something. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> me? Yeah, you. I'm always in the intro, so I don't need to introduce myself All again. All right. I Good thought that was the look I give you every day. What? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which Maybe in another that? life I did kick your dog or something like that. It's just I don't have a dog. I prefer mm. cats. Kyle, the <laughs> dog kicker. All right, so we're going to talk about the uh, narrative. How important is narrative in uh, The Missing Link? It's very important. It's um, First of all, Deus Ex as a license is very story-driven. And that is true of both uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution and the downloadable content, The Missing Link. Um, So the story is um, very crucial to it. It's um, something that we really wanted to draw players in with and to get them to kind of explore a new facet of the conspiracy and get more of what made Deus Ex good. So it's not just filler action segments and all that stuff? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> now, was this something from the beginning like that you wanted to address was like there's this time, this period in the game when we don't really know wh- where Adam was. Like he says he was you know, off the radar or whatever. Uh, did you, I mean, from the start, did you always want to like fill in that gap or how did it come across like doing uh, this? No, I mean, to be honest, when we, when we came up with the original game mm-hmm. with Human Revolution, we... We've created a storyline that for us was very complete at the time. And um, when we finished that, and when it was in debug and testing, we realized we needed to do a DLC. So the big challenge for us on the, the story team was, 
how could we actually create a story for a DLC when we knew we couldn't do it before the game started because Adam wouldn't have any augmentations. and That'd be a very different game. It would be very different. Yeah. Um, and we didn't want to do it after um, the game finishes because we felt that might be better reserved for different ways of telling stories. So uh, we had to find something that would fit within the time frame we had and so that was one of our first challenges was really identifying it and we just realized that there was a portion of story that hadn't been really explained well that we wanted to bring out more information on and that it would just really work well in that time frame. Dr. Kondre, um, could you explain like your involvement with this part of the game like the story and uh, trying to keep tabs on uh, I guess how can I say this? Um, keeping uh, everything together. From getting out of hand. Yeah. Yeah, but my my job is mainly to keep everyone informed of uh, what everyone is doing and make sure they do what they should do. And um, it was pretty hard because uh, we have a big team, mm -hmm. so um, it's hard to communicate to a hundred of people at the same time. But we did have like a lot of the, the lead people who did uh, some of the stuff on Human Revolution work on the DLC, right? I didn't hear you know? the first we, part. We had a lot of the lead people work on the DLC who were on Human Revolution, right? Well, everyone who worked on, on The Missing Link worked on Human Revolution. So, um, so everyone had experience on the franchise. Mm -hmm. And, um, and pr pretty much everyone was senior or lead on human evolution, so we capitalize on the experience and what we learned on making uh, human evolution. And I think that was one of the challenges, actually, that everyone had worked on the two because yeah. everyone had just finished Human Revolution and everyone was tired and ready for vacation. Yeah. And suddenly it was like, no, you, 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 you can't take vacation quite yet because you got to make the DLC. But what was really cool about it was that everybody really, as much as they may have wanted to take their vacations at first, they really warmed to the DLC and really became as passionate about making it as they had the game. And not only that, though, we had the new text as well. All the all the stuff that was developed for Human Revolution they didn't quite make it into the engine. We had that at our disposal for uh, the DLC for uh, Missing Link, so that's cool as well. People are pretty stoked at working on it. Well, I was, anyways. Now, when you talk about, uh, you know, kind of refining what you learned while making Deus Ex Human Revolution, what did you do, like, story-wise, like, that you wanted to kind of refine or w was there any aspect of the storytelling that you thought you could maybe refine or do a little bit differently through the DLC? Well, I think it was kind of a combination of what we wanted to refine and knowing the processes that we had. So, for instance, most of the story in uh, Human Revolution, most of the com critical path story is told through cutscenes. But we first of all didn't want to do that we wanted to keep the action much more in game and we wanted to keep the story um how the story gets told we wanted the player to be much more active in it so and we were also limited by cutscenes budgets um yeah. for the dlc so um, it kind of helped that we already didn't want to rely on cutscenes um but one of the things we really did want to do is to really 
up the player's choices in terms of how he's going to interact with characters and how he's going to find out the information that Jensen needs to know along the, the story rather than sitting there and watching a cutscene. Was it, wasn't there some, uh, some harder choices, well, harder consequences to the Jensen's choices in a, in a Missing Link as well? Well, I don't know if it, it would be harder. I guess that depends on individual preference. But I do think that um, <laughs> one of the things we said from the beginning is that this has to maintain the, the core ideals of a Deus Ex game. And one of the core ideals of a Deus Ex game is the moral ambigu ambiguity. And the um, black that no choice is black and white. It's all shades of gray. And we did want to make sure that this story had a compelling choice in it that the player had to really look at and, and think of and 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 kind of it certainly isn't an easy choice to make yeah you could say that <laughs> and those are alluded to a little bit in the uh, trailer and i would well I are, there's sort of a mention of something <coughs> like that but i'm just trying to get a little bit of information out for people david <laughs> He's gonna say no. Anyways. We can't give away the story. I know we don't, we're not giving away anything. We can't give away story. Can we give away? Story is much more exciting when you don't know uh, what no, you're getting into. I'm not saying we can give away anything. I'm just saying we could allude to it or. Oh, I think what we can say is we've built a story that is hopefully very compelling for players, that they find a reason to get invested, and that when it builds to the dramatic choice point, it's going to be a moment that um, players will really have to figure out what's important to them in order to figure out what choice they're going to make. Um, and maybe there's a few surprises in it, too. I think Mary should work in politics. <laughs> She's good at tiptoeing around yeah. that, isn't she? Yeah, she's awesome at that. <laughs> well, uh, is there anything that you wanted to uh, say about the story or narrative that you haven't had a chance to yet? Because I know you've done a couple of these interviews. <laughs> well, in terms of the Missing Link, one of the things that uh, was fun for us was we did create new characters for it. I mean, certainly you're still playing Adam Jensen, but this... Um, this was an opportunity to build some new characters uh, for the license who um, hopefully are very deep and very compelling and interesting characters, some who are not what they seem. And it was also a chance for us, I think. I wish they could see Mary's face, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, her face is very different from what she's saying right now. Yeah. And uh, the other thing it was really important for us to do was really, um, I, I know in Human Revolution we had a lot of tie-ins to Deus Ex 1. We yeah. had a lot of foreshadowing, but we get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of that going on in this. We get to have some fun with um, some of the storylines and characters of the future connections to the book perhaps oh come <laughs> on it's amazing how productive she is <laughs> she's just like just going around and oh. i'm trying to like get water from this rock and there isn't anything there you know mm -hmm. we, we talked about uh, on Tumblr, we yeah david talked about it a little bit we, we did say that it would while it's not in any way directly linked to the book it might be a good idea to Just say that. Yeah. Now. Say it. Uh, but honestly, I don't think you have to have read the <laughs> no, book. No, no, I don't think you have to. No, you don't have to have you read. Have to have read uh, Jim Swallow did an amazing book. 
um, Icarus Effect. Just <laughs> <laughs> <It's> look <laughs> on her face. It's so funny. <laughs> it's a really, really good book. And it will certainly, if you have read his book, it might make you look at some of the things that you discover in the story differently. Um, it might add a bit of depth and a bit of... Um, more interesting connections and intrigues for you, but again, you don't you don't have to. There's that politics bit. Mm-hmm. No, I mean it is. Uh, okay, so we're gonna stop with the uh, narrative unless there's a little bit more you have to say about it. Thank God, jeez. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. She doesn't want to talk about anything. She doesn't want to get away anything. It's just uh, talk about the all the the ways that we tell the the story in the game, though the, the environment stuff, the surface tables. Oh. Uh, there's well, we tool. always do that. In in Deus Ex again, another since the license is so narratively driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more than just narratively driven. But since narrative is a huge part of it, we tell story in the game in many different ways, and the DLC is no different. There's a lot of. I mean, in addition to being able to engage in dialogue and and choose how you're going to act and interact with people and then um, reading emails and things like that. A lot of the storytelling actually occurs in the environments itself. And we have a really great process here for that, I think, which is um, once we've created basically the storyline and we've blueprinted out the game, we, we create a document called the visual te- storytelling document in which we basically describe the environments in, in ways that don't tell the artists what to make, but tell them this is the use of this environment and this is who uses it and this is the kind of things that might be represented in it. And what's really great about that is once we've created that document, we, we hand it out to the uh, teams who are creating the artists and, and the level designers who are creating those environments and they bring their own creativity to the front and they think of things based on that template document of ideas, they bring things that express it far better than I ever could in words. So you give them like the tool set and they can kind of work within the tool set. Yeah, I would say that. And I remember one time talking to Jonathan Jacques Belletet and saying to him, thank you for showing me how horrible the things inside my head really are. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's never quite what I pictured. Do you have like a concrete uh, example of this? No, but you'll see that (sighs) at a point in the DLC. Mm -hmm. You'll see. We'll have no. to do a, a podcast after so you can, like, say exactly what you're referring to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is true, though. The, the, the missing link is a little darker, I think. I've, I've been saying that a lot during uh, presentations. Uh, it's get a little greedier. The music is darker as well. The, the whole environments are just, I don't know, yeah, there's a little bit more evil in it. Uh, it's kind more of evil. Creepy. Deus Ex now with more evil. Is yeah. Like the two hundred more, two hundred percent more evil. <laughs> no, no, it's not that bad. It's not. A, <laughs> Mary it's not just a gave you a concerned look. Yeah, because everything <laughs> is shades of gray. Yeah, <laughs> it is just darker shades of gray. And we do have red in the missing link. Now. That's true. Red, cyan, <coughs> a little bit of green, some blue as well. Really? Yeah, it's like dark blue. That'll make the fans happy. Oh, hopefully. I think some of them think you know. Black and blue is Deus Ex, so we got blue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, Mary, the fans are going to love to hear that narrative was a focus because that's 
you know, the one commonality that everyone has with Deus Ex is that they believe it's a narrative-driven mm -hmm. game. So they're going to be happy to hear that it was the focus. Yeah, read the emails. There's a lot of uh, funny stuff going on. What emails? emails? Oh, in the game? Yeah. Yeah, not yours. Is, is there boring. another Nigerian scam going on? Um, I don't remember if we actually put Nigerian emails in. I, I know we wanted to. I uh, wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. No, but you have to look for uh, one of the writers is is got quite the the sense of humor and it's quite subtle. So pay close attention when you're reading emails to who they're addressed to and you might recognize <laughs> some characters I know, from I know other what she's talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about Mark. Oh, <laughs> he writes some really funny uh -huh. stuff. It's all hidden. Yeah, it's all, it's like all hidden. Sort of Degree, and whatever. there are references to like, oh well, there yeah, are yeah, references to just like. Just read a lot of things. <laughs> Brilliant. That guy reads like uh, a, two books oh. a week, literally. Jesus. It just reads all the time. So. Yeah. There are references to old television shows. Let's put it that way. That were quite popular. <laughs> like Hogan's Heroes or something. I'm not gonna say. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They're <coughs> Easter eggs, and I would not want to ruin people's joy in finding them by telling them what they are. I'm excited. Easter eggs on the same level of Alex Murphy asking about RoboCop. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, it's actually something really funny. Uh, I've been asked a lot about Easter eggs, and everybody wants to know if there's a hot dog in The Missing Link. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know, honestly. Yeah. I know we had one in, in the main game, but we had to remove it. Yeah. And we wanted to Was reuse... Was that for Japan? Uh, probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, That's we, not going to make we it. We wanted to reuse it for uh, for the missing link, but uh, I don't know if it made it or not. <laughs> I don't know if the hot dog made it. Made it. The yeah. hot dog, it's... We had a giant... Actually, it's a giant hot dog. <laughs> Apparently it is. I don't know. I've, I haven't really found it. <laughs> so if you found the hot dog, send us a link at community at idosmontreal.com. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's brilliant because it eventually it's just going to become a myth. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just The myth dog. of the hot dog? Yeah. Of Dusex Human Revolution. Okay, we've strayed from the main narrative path here. Sorry. Just bring us back. Okay, I'll bring us back. Kyle. Well, we're going to take a break. But the and game we're allows you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> And scene. And so ends part one of the show. Before we get to part two, I'm going to answer some of your questions. Well, not me per se. I had David Bedard, lead marketing guy on the DLC, answer some for me. These are all from the Tumblr account. So, here we go. One person asked, Will we see any familiar characters from DX1 in The Missing Link? or any other upcoming DLC, say, quote-unquote, yes, and you'll get cookies. A lot of them. Heart. David says, I will not answer this question, but rather write down the look on my face. I'm looking left. Looking right now. My lips are tight. Next question! Exclamation point. Oh, David. Next question. Will you make a Dogmentation DLC later on? It says, Deus Ex Human Revolution. Four-legged Icarus coming to... What is it coming to, David? 
Silly questions aside, now it's time to get the part two. So, uh, new stuff in the missing link. Obviously, we could go directly to uh, the boss fight, quote unquote. Um, but we're not going to do that. We're going to save that for a little bit later. Um, you saw, you said new characters will be in there. Can you elaborate on that at all? I mean, obviously, there's a new villain. Can you say anything about it, Mary? You're looking at me. No, I'm She's making her face I'm, again. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there saying, what, what can I tell you about new characters? I mean, basically, we need new characters because mm. this adventure takes place in those three days when well, some Jensen has no contact with anyone that he knows. And exactly. And some people are asking if Pritchard is going to be in there. And he's not going to because he can't contact them. Right? Can I say that? Um, well, the whole basis of the storyline is that is that it's been the three days that take place in the game, in Human Revolution, and if you pay close attention to that game in Human Revolution, you'll see that right before those three days ends, Pritchard says, where are you going? Jensen, 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 and then in the end he says, oh my god, Jensen, you've been silent for days. Mm -hmm. So obviously we have to work with the continuity that Pritchard knows nothing about what has happened in those three days. So we had to have new characters. And actually, I think that's one of the things that's interesting about the story is that Jensen is kind of on his own. Um, he, he doesn't have directives to follow from Sarah or Farida or, or Pritchard, and he's got to make it on his own. He'll find some allies um, in the adventure that will um, certainly be giving him some directions and giving him help. Um, and he will find some <laughs> villains in there that he will have to, to deal with in the story. Um, and it is, again, a mystery. So he is uncovering something that is going on in a conspiracy. Um, and, and I think the twist will be how you enc encounter these, these new characters and what, how you feel about them. And speaking of uh, new characters and all that, on Antoine, it was like our new gameplay situations presented in here that you maybe wanted to try out with the SX Human Revolution that you didn't get to there. Um, and, you know, are there new weapons, turrets? I can't talk about any of this, you know. You that. can't? No, no, just kidding. Uh, well, first, uh, first thing that's really important for us uh, was to support all the gameplay pillars mm -hmm. uh, with no difference whatsoever from Human Revolution. So... Uh, hacking, stealth is in there, um, combat and social as well as supported. Uh, we did find a pretty cool challenge for our level designers to actually work closely with the environments and the augmentations, create a little bit more of a bond and relationship uh, with uh, how the player negotiates those environments. So we get a lot of verticality. Uh, we try to use, uh, uh, help the player use some of the augmentations that were less popular. Uh, like the uh, vision cones on the radars and some of the alarm systems and all that stuff. Uh, because it, the environments are so, is a little bit harder to negotiate uh, in stealth. And in combat, it becomes like very interesting for the player to actually move around more. I use their curse landing in combat and I just a stealth approach and just take out enemies or run away. Uh, so that was one of the challenges. And I think the level designers worked really well with what they had. So it's not just, you know, more of the same. It's like you, t you took the design principles and, you know. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. It's just pushing it as much as possible um, uh, as in terms of patrols as well. We have a few tricks now 
when you go back to an environment and you go back and forth from rooms to rooms, sometimes you'll just be surprised by some guys that weren't there before. Those kind of ideas. I'm not going to get too into too many details because Mary's giving me that look again. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of that. Uh, we uh, Just to follow up on the narrative side, we uh, do a lot of the storytelling with the overheads as well. So if you follow uh, NPCs around, uh, the guards and whoever, you get some, well, first of all, you get some funny inter interactions with them. Uh, some of them have some creep, creepy stuff to, to say about the uh, environments and what they're doing and about Jensen himself as well. But they also give you key information about what's going on and where to go and sort of those things. So as as you progress through the story for, of Missing Link, uh, it gets a little darker, like I, said, like I said before. It's just like people are not always in agreement and there's a lot of gray areas. No I look? No, no. Actually, something you just said made me realize too. We also tried to pu push the concept of um, the story and people reacting to your actions. So um, we did a lot more in terms of the dialogues, whereas if you play a certain part stealthy, you the people react to you and to the fact that you were stealthy through that, whereas if instead through that section you raise tons of alarms, the people around you, the, the overheard conversations will yeah. change to reflect that, and so will... Um, the key dialogues with some of the main characters. Not only the dialogues, though, uh, they actually react to uh, those events. So if you create chaos all around in the first parts of the the, the missing link, then everybody's going to know you're there, that you're sort of running free. So they're going to put blockades and you know some of the ambush stuff. So there's a little few surprises that we're trying uh, new things. I think we're pushing. In terms of weapons, uh, we don't really have anything new. That was not the focus of uh, the, this DLC, uh, although we have a few surprises. Uh, it's mostly trying new ways of giving uh, the players stuff. Uh, so there's, for example, I'm not going to go into details, but there's one weapon you can get only once. And it's something new because it's a unique weapon. Uh, and depending on which, if you find it or not, it might or might not appear later uh, in the game. And the missing link. I'm gonna you can play with that a little bit. I can't say anything else, but it's also um, uh, the way we interact with the environments because it's mostly hostile. So you can't just go to any merchants and you know loot apartments and stuff like that. So we uh, we try to hide uh, a little bit more stuff, use uh, the environments in uh, some clever and interesting ways. That's some of that stuff going on. What was it like? Uh, I mean, from your perspective, probably. Uh, with a, a different kind of focus, I mean, from the team on taking this enclosed space and everything and then putting a focus on, like, the other things that we didn't so much use in the main game. I mean, how did the team react to that? Were they okay with the enclosed space where a lot of people, like, you know, can't we expand it to something else? Or working in these limitations is hard. And We know it, it will be kind of hard, but uh, we, we actually knew we, we didn't have time to do a big city hub or something like that. So mm -hmm. we needed to focus on what we knew we could achieve. Mm -hmm. So um, on a gameplay per perspective, I think that uh, compound style is more uh, easy to, uh, to do, like Antoine said, to use pretty much all augmentations in the same level. Mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah, it's it wasn't too much hard for the team to um, to jump in the uh, the the project the mandate 
Because it was just right after development was basically completed on Deus Ex, so you jumped right into this another compound level. Yeah. What was it like in the uh, planning process, I guess, for this? I mean, you laid out, you said that you knew that you didn't have enough time for a hub level, and so you said it's going to be a compound, and like, um, how did you map that out? Can you like explain that process a little bit? Well, for the amount of, of levels we, ha we have in Human Revolution, we know pretty much how much time it takes to build a uh, full level um, on level design and art um, portion. So um, yeah, don't forget debug too. Yeah, and debug <laughs> that takes yeah. a long time as well. Oh, are you saying Especially that like when you're putting in more choices? Are you saying that Deus Ex: Human Revolution wasn't completed two days before it was shipped? What? No comments. No, it's. I think it's <laughs> three days. Oh, it's three days. Uh, oh, yeah, it's okay. Three days. So it's three yeah. days. You guys are done, and then it gets shipped off, and then yeah. that's it. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> No, but um, from start to finish, uh, can we say how long it nope. took? Oh. Well, another thing to mention, though, was the, the idea of a compound, like more like, we, we call it compound, was mostly uh, hostile can environments. Yeah, can you explain the other uh, compounds in the game? Compounds are usually uh, where the player goes into a uh, location expecting combat or stealth, but mostly enemies. Mm -hmm. Whereas a city hub, as we call them, is more like a social environments where you can actually do whatever you want and just talk to people and uh, walk Detroit with you. And Detroit and Hangsha. Yeah. Uh, compounds are mostly hostile, so you go in at your own risk. Like uh, let's say FEMA or PICUS or... Yeah, exactly. Orange. When you get to FEMA, uh, you get a really um, hostile environment right from the get-go. You sort of know you're in trouble mm -hmm. if you sort of just walk in there. It's like, hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> uh, so I think for the, the story, uh, it was a better fit as well to be a, treated as a compound, as we call it, rather than a city hub, because that would not necessarily make a whole lot of sense from Jensen being some kind of a fugitive to just walking up to people and talking. Although Mary's been very clever in finding ways to help the player around and just, well, do things and do talk to people. What yeah. was it? You can go up was it difficult? to some people, but you're going to have to know which ones are the yeah. going to shoot you <laughs> <laughs> if you try. The guy twirling his mustache, he might not be the guy yeah. you like want to walk up With to. With the cat, the Baby white cat. Yeah, the white cat. Petting Baby a cat. Not. Hello. A bald head. Um, <laughs> now, because it was just a compound, was it difficult working within that space narratively? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I think one of the reasons from the writing perspective that we were more content with doing a compound than a city hub is because the amount of writing that needs to be done for a city hub is massive. Um, you have to write lines of dialogue for every civilian you can possibly interact with. And we just did not have the time. Um, or the writers on staff to do that. So the comparison so is really interesting. It's massive for a city hub, but it's enormous for a compound. Yeah. <laughs> so on I the mean, scale, I mean, you just <laughs> get the idea. I'm just kidding. Just keep going. <laughs> You're wrecking yeah, her flow. Yeah, yeah, you did. You lost my flow. I forgot what the question awesome. was. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, narratively, what's it like working inside like a compound environment? Uh, well, I mean, basically, narratively, you, you figure out what the initial story is, and the story determines whether it's going to be a compound or a city hub itself. Um, you can adjust that. Certainly, you go into it knowing that we're going to do this more as a compound, so how do we push the limits of the compound? How do we enable you to have some potential you know, city hub-esque interactions in that kind of an environment that will make sense and be logical in the storyline that you're doing. Um, 
so for us really I think on the narrative it's it's really just trying to get what is the compelling story what is the compelling choice that you're going to have to be making that's going to really make a difference to people's lives because for instance in, in I think a staple of the license is that the choice has to be a game changer for, mm -hmm. for the world basically and when you're dealing with a, a compound like this in a tight smaller story we still want that game changer we still want that decision that's going to really affect the lives of people but how do we bring that into the scale of the compound so that was one of the the fun challenges to do and to try and bring in and I think um, writers uh, at least the writers I work with Generally, we have huge imaginations, and we have to be curtailed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing, too. Like, Antoine, you do a lot of the combat s situations and scenarios, right? You work within that realm. Yeah, I work with the LDs a lot. Probably. Yeah. So was there any time when you kind of wanted, like, this section in the game to be combat-focused and not, like, a lot of narrative involved? Or was uh, there ever a time when you two were like, you know, this is one or the other, or how can we work together? I'm a big fan of narrative stuff, so I it would... It would never be a fight. Uh, there's, uh, for of course, there's because you do have a limited space, and you have to. Do yeah, that's a that's one of the problem with the the missing link too. It's not since it's not a city hub, mm -hmm. it's, and we don't want it to be like just a linear story. Mm -hmm. uh, the player still has choices to make, and he can decide to go wherever he wants, or more or less within the confines of you know the the environments given to him. Uh, but when we decided, uh, that's one of the reasons why we decided to focus so much on uh, uh, the reaction from the player's uh, actions. So if he creates chaos, there's more people waiting for him and so on and so on. So if you approach this situation, there's still the, the, the characters and NPCs are still telling a story, even though you're in a combat situation. Their barks will change a little bit. They'll say, he's over there, da, 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 sort of thing. Or, so shut up, he's, uh, he's coming this way, da, 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 be ready, sort of thing. Whereas if you're stealth and nobody knows you're there, you're just going to be talking about what they ate the uh, day before. So the narrative aspect in combat situations is still present. It's just the reactions are a bit different. Uh, but for the m mostly the, the biggest combat areas, uh, we did work with the level designers uh, a lot to incorporate a lot of the storytelling, but in visuals with art and the environments and stuff like that. So when we talked about ambushes and uh, stuff like that, it's still part of the story and the way it's told to the player a little bit. I don't know if that makes sense, but oh, it does. when you play it, you sort of understand the, the, the flow of the story and it changes, not drastically, but it does change all the time. So you're kind of suggesting for people to take multiple approaches to this and replay it maybe different ways to see different things like they did DSX. Hopefully they did yeah. with the Human Revolution, but yeah. yeah, definitely. The Missing Link is one, well, I was going to say it's so short a story, but it's not really through because considering actually so long. Yeah, I mean. But it's still, a, it's still a DLC content, so you can replay it a lot and get different results, especially with the endings and everything. I'm not going <laughs> to go into details. Mayor's giving me that look again. <laughs> but well, that's one of the things yeah, that people are, <laughs> are are saying about it right now. They're saying that, you know, it's only, quote-unquote, five hours long, and, you know, they're yeah. assuming it's going to be very, very uh, linear, and there's not going to be the pillars there and all that stuff. So Everything is there. Pillars, gameplay, we support everything as much as we can in a five, you know, so short five hours of gameplay. Uh, but it's everything is there. Five hours. Uh, I mean, it's funny too when you work on a project like this. You get used to playing it a certain way, and then you see someone else play it, and you go, "Wait, yeah, I, I didn't know you could do that." <laughs> do and you have any stories of that from the Missing Link? 
Um, no, that's exactly what I was thinking of. I was thinking about yeah. when I was playing the opening sections of the, the Missing Link, I thought I knew it very well. And I tried many different ways of doing it, and I thought I knew it very well. And then I saw, I think I was Antoine, I saw Antoine play the exact same thing, and he took a path I'd never seen before. And it was, I, I was just, oh, wait a minute, I didn't know you could do that. And it's funny watching other people play because literally you discover things that you did not know, yeah. and you made the game. That's true. That, that's true for Human Revolution as well. I mean, four years running, I find places that I didn't know existed. I'm like, okay, what the hell is this? That's got to be fun uh, during playtest. Now, did you you play tested this quite a bit, the DLC, right? Well, personally, I played it every day for a long time. <laughs> and um, uh, we did have a few playtests as yeah, well. Yeah, we did. External yeah. playtests. We, we had a couple of playtests with people from from the outside of the studio mm -hmm. people uh, that have played the, uh, human revolution and people yeah that actually playtesters play that playtested the human revolution came back to playtest the dlc because uh, we wanted to have um consumers who knew the franchise and the gameplay pillars and who know knew the controls so they wouldn't have to um to learn everything from from the main game to be able to play test the DLC. Now, what did you take out of the play tests that you implemented into the DLC? Was there anything, or did you have your your formula down and you kind of knew it by then because you had already play tested Deus Ex: Human Revolution so much already? Well, we took the feedback from from Human Revolution mm -hmm. and tried to implement as much as possible in the DLC. Mm -hmm. um, but for the DLC, we didn't have that much time to play test and prototype and everything. Yeah. So, um, so we, we had some guidelines, and the play tests were more to validate if, if uh, things were right or wrong. And I think that pretty much a lot of, a lot of stuff was, was okay, uh, even good. It was. Not, not just okay. It was. And, yeah. Well, uh, we we had we did have a few comments because uh, playtest. When you do a playtest, it's usually the idea is to find every problems. Then you know, player plays it. It says, "I don't like this," and mm -hmm. you want to know why. So you observe what they're doing, and then you try to understand, and then they sort of explain it in their words. And as as a game designer, you sort of, you have to take their words and sort of understand what they really mean. Uh, you know, I don't like this cookie. Okay, is it because it's a cookie? Because it's chocolate chips? Or, you know, you this sort game of needs to play more like the color red. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. too much uh, purple in the game or yeah. whatever. Uh, but we, we did have a few. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this button because it's green. <laughs> uh, well, we can't change that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Just paint it. But yeah, uh, we, did, we did get some good comments, uh, mostly through reactions from the game, all the little secrets and uh, story pieces. Uh, we did make a few changes to the pace. Uh, some players said at some parts, you know, it's a bit too long, so we added some, you know, NPC patrols. And uh, level designers mostly were always sitting in the booth, uh, looking and see, taking lots of notes. Okay, there's, you know, there's too much of a gap, nothing happening. Da da da. We had a character. There's too much going on. Everybody dies from that guy with a shotgun. Regular playtests will give you that kind of information. Uh, I wanted uh, to see their reaction to the few choices that we offer the player. Like some of them are really important, and just to make sure that they understand how to m make the right decision for them and to actually, you know, do um, do make a decision. 
uh, make sure that the communication is right. And uh, we have a few new uh, environmental uh, devices to tell the story, uh, like the surface table, we call them. We wanted to make sure that they actually saw them. The first time around, they didn't really see them, so it was sort of moved them around, made them more flashier. Now everybody, the next time around, everybody saw them. It's like, oh, this is cool. Mm -hmm. And it does tell the story, it does help. So in that aspect, I think a playtests were really good, but we didn't have like seven, eight playtests like in the Human Revolution. I think we had two, three, yeah. two, three. So it was really time consuming to have enough time to react to the first playtest. A uh, lot of the balancing as well. You know, first time around is a bit too hard. Second time around is a bit too easy. So you just like add ammo, remove ammo sort of thing. And you can't do as much playtest from the office people playing because at one point you just know the game so well. Mm -hmm. You can yeah. headshot everyone with one bullet. Mm. Yeah, well, sipping your coffee and talking to somebody else. <laughs> uh, and you end up not even playing the game. But that, So this third, uh, you know, sort of way of seeing things, play, reacting to the events, and just the cinematic, even though I think the playtesters never saw the final cuts. Uh, it's still, you know, they were reacting to it. It's like, oh, this is cool. This character is new and what's going on. And so that really helps. Uh, even for a DLC, because we do want it to be special. You were talking about the choices that uh, the player has to do, to make, and um, we, we also wanted to see the reactions, how they feel yeah. about <laughs> the choices that we d they have to make, and it was quite interesting to see how people reacted. Some of them were frustrated at yeah. one point. It was like, no, no. <laughs> just like really upset. I'm like, oh, well, that's a consequence for you. <laughs> that works. That's Life be fun. is not yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Choices is, is that your goal for hard. Is that your goal for the narrative of Deus Ex? Is that life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make those choices and deal with them. Is that? No, I wouldn't say it's mine, but I like the philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my father, no. actually. I mean, I think <laughs> it is. It, it, if we can make you experience through story something that really affects you and something that really makes you think and, and stuff. And I think that's been the fun part of working on the license is, is seeing that and seeing how people do change or not and how they stick to their decisions and how they get mad at us for making them make those decisions. Yeah. That <laughs> that a, lot a lot of that on Twitter. Actually, Antoine gets mad at me all the time. I do. He tends to kill everyone. And you should see her play with a shotgun. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can talk, boom. <laughs> well, Mary, really? I don't Never use mind. the shotgun, only in Resident Evil. Okay, <laughs> mind. <laughs> Well, to actually just come back to the playtest a little bit, it's interesting too because so, you know, we mentioned that there were some yeah, there are some choices that you make, mm -hmm. and there's also hidden stuff, not like Easter eggs, but really hidden you know hidden rooms or hidden items, those sort of hidden things. So we want to know if they can actually find them, and you know our ratio for something hidden is like one guy out of ten will find it. Mm, that's okay, playthrough. and that's okay. cool because okay. not everybody knows about it. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the other thing that actually worked pretty well for us because it's new stuff that we tried for the missing link, and um, I've seen a lot of guys just doing PR tours. Uh, every just one of the guys that that plays the game for us for demos. Mm -hmm. At one point, I asked him about one of the secret things, and he says, "The what?" And he knows everything about the game. And I mean, he plays every day. His job is to play it and demo it and make sure that everything works. And he was like, the what? No, I don't. What are you talking about? I was like, well, that thing. Is it Johnny? 
Yeah, it's Johnny. I have to give him crap. He, well, he'll hear it now on the podcast. Yeah, he's so. probably gonna hear it. But I, I was, uh, I was in San Francisco, and I asked him. I was like, well, "Did you find this place?" I was like, "No, I didn't." What are you talking about? I was like, "Well, that place. You have to look for it." No, don't, don't, don't tell me where it is. I'll find it. I'll find it. I don't even know if you found it. <laughs> I had but. a conversation conversation with Jean Francois Duga uh, yeah. the other week, and I asked him about that hidden thing. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. And. He didn't even know about that thing. See, he's, he's, the the game he's, the, he's the game director, and he doesn't know about that <laughs> stuff, so it's quite funny. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's an epic fail or a major win for me. That's a, yeah. it's a major so win. Like the game director doesn't know. It's like, yes. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. That's that kind of stuff that makes it fun, too, uh, working in a, with a Thai group like this. And there's a little bit of a family thing going on. But uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. As those reactions are so worth it. It's like, how come I didn't know about this? And I'm like, I don't know. I just play the game. What you are you put, doing? You put a note on a wall that says, like, JF stupid. No, <laughs> no, no. Passes no. in the game. Yeah, JF kind of slow. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we spoke a lot about, like, new characters and stuff. We really didn't touch on uh, the possibility of there being new environmental objects. What What's environmental objects? Turrets? Maybe? Oh, yeah. Can I talk about that? Do we? Oh, well, okay. Um... Yeah, we do have a few new tricks up our sleeves, uh, mostly in, um, in the environments. It's not exactly NPCs or patrols, but it's uh, new defensive measures. It's actually tied into the story. So if you pay uh, close attention to the beginning of Human Revolution, there's a little bit of a demo thing going on. And then later, sort of, you don't know, but there's a chance that the, the technology was stolen. And, you know, you see some characters using it later. Um, and we sort of spend it in a new uh, new kind of interesting way. Do we have a name for it? I don't think we do have a name because it's still like top secret and like the first installation or whatever. And so you don't see it a whole I lot. Think but I think we mentioned it in, in one of the emails. Maybe. Uh, maybe, but I don't. I don't know. But it's, don't I'm not going to give any details, but anybody who played Human Revolution uh, that plays The Missing Link will see it. It's pretty shiny and it sort of spins and it's very dangerous. <laughs> I, yeah, that sounds kind of kinky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, I actually think we just recently wrote up something that might not appear in the game, but might appear in a side game, something else that people can get their hands on in other ways. How come I don't know about this? I don't know. I'm kind of puzzled myself. So, uh, so so in sleep. in that sense, it will have a, it will have a name because we did write something. Oh, you should That's definitely have I'm a should have an action figure for it or something. <laughs> but uh, we have a few of these things. Uh, of course, we use the, the all the sentry robots, the box guard, a very famous box guard. Uh, box guard on a boat. That sounds like a cool song. I know, box guard on a boat. Uh, like it could be a country <laughs> song or a hip hop song. Country would be cool. Yeah, like very nostalgic and sort of blue. Uh, Maybe sort of Hank like, Williamsy oh. or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's <laughs> kind of going off again. Yeah, no. It's too uh, easy though. Box card on a boat. But we do uh yeah, we do have the all the sentries, the little robots and everything. Everything's in it, cameras, all that stuff. <laughs> lasers. Lasers. Gotta have lasers, man. And sharks with lasers on there. Holographic right. tables. <laughs> I gotta admit, when I first saw that, I was pretty blown away. Not because it's the color red, but just because it's. Would you yeah. stop with the red? Sorry, it's what's it like a fixation on here? It's like just mm, red. <laughs> what? Nope. Yeah, I'm a ginger. He's a ginger. I just connect with red. For anybody didn't know about this, if you're listening in, 
the leader of this little project is a ginger. He smells funny. JF smells, <laughs> smells JF smells funny? No, no, you do. Oh. We're going to stop with this section, and uh, we'll come back, and we'll talk about the tech of it. Okay. He said later. Yeah. Patience, God. And that's part two of the show. There are some more questions that need to be answered. So I'm going to read David's responses now. One person asked... I just read that the missing link will be three to five hours. Can you possibly make it six or seven times longer than this before release? Please? If you work in shifts through the night before the release date, I feel sure you can do it. Didn't Squeenix double your staff or something? Well, anyway, get cracking. I'm sure my happiness is enough reward for your inevitable stress-related illnesses and failed relationships. Thanks. David says, Making it seven times longer than five hours would make it as long as the main game. And, well, it's additional content. Not a whole new game we're making here. Exclamation point. So, sorry, whoever you are. Next question. Will the missing link have new takedown moves? The ones in the game are amazing, but I want to see more. Smiley face. David says, no new takedown moves unless you count having the same animation with Adam being bare-chested on new takedown. In that case, we have lots, exclamation point. And they're sexier. That's what David says. I'm just reading. Anyway, time for more uh, of this episode. to know him is there going to be a quote-unquote boss fight in the dlc who's answering this everyone's looking at me like (laughs) don't pick me don't pick me no no i'll I'll go no i can say define boss yeah define boss fight actually you know what i'll start with this i'll i just didn't quotes yeah my my take on it is we don't have a boss fight because technically speaking for me a boss fight is one of two things it's uh like a big challenge that allows you to learn a new trick, a new, you know, whatever move or something else, gain a new weapon sort like of Mega thing. Man. A little bit, yeah. So you end with something that gives you more or finishes the game, but whatever. Or it is something to remind you of everything that you've learned. You know, so usually it's a one-on-one fight. You're fighting someone that you can't really get away from, that sort of thing. It's, that's a boss fight. For the missing link, we have an ending. We basically, the story evolves and you move on and on and on. And you get to, uh, well, can't say who. The climax of the story. The climax of the story. And there's a a guy that's sort of, he doesn't really like you. And at the end, you sort of need to go through him um, to to finish the uh, the story, uh, to finish the DLC, The Missing Link. It's not Uh, that he doesn't like you. In fact, I think in the trailer he says, I thought I could use you. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I really like the guy. He's uh, he's kind of uh, interesting. The, the voice actor is really uh, really cool as well. He's got a very unique voice. Uh, but the idea with the missing link is uh, to support all the gameplay pillars. 
So it's something that we still do. Uh, and let's call it the end room because it's at the end of the missing link. Uh, so we have like a challenge because you want to get out. The idea of a Jensen is not to stay there. And I can't, I'm not going to go into details of where you are exactly. Because I am giving you the look. Yeah, she's <laughs> giving me the look again. Uh, but the idea is that you don't really have a choice but to go through him. He's not going to budge. He's, he's like standing in front of the door, basically. So you need to fight him one way or the other. But you can do that in multiple different ways. So it's not like one-on-one. -on -one and it's not, you know, he's not going to give you anything special except allowing you to move on to the credits, more or less. Mary's smiling. All right, that's a first. That's awesome. But uh, <laughs> in, in my book, it's I not a boss fight. <laughs> it's more of a, it's an end event. Uh, that sort of accumulates because you sort of move on and you get more and more challenges. Uh, but it is like a main villain, so you do need to fight him. And there's multiple ways to do that. Uh, so people, I, I think people will like that. Uh, there's a so you're saying it does support the, I guess I can say like the, if a character builds stealth, they can still tackle this Absolutely. situation. You actually get a little uh, extra for that. I'm looking at David to make sure yeah, it's okay with him. Like <laughs> I think he gave the okay, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Can we now talk about achievements and stuff? Or? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, that's that's one thing. Uh, I mean, if you, you're into that sort of thing, trophies, achievements, uh, be creative in the ways you take that guy out, and you might get a bit of a reward. That's also mentions now of he's a smiling. Yeah, I'm <laughs> smiling. Uh, it's fun. I just the, the idea was to have fun, so we had, you know, had a lot of fun. So yeah, that's. That's my take on a boss fight. If you want to talk so to Mary or to Marc-André, maybe they have like a different opinion on it. In case anyone just like fast-forwarded through everything to get to the point, it's not a one-on-one, mano-a-mano situation where th with this boss where you have to shoot him. Well, first of all, why would you want to fast-forward to this point? But yes, it's not, no, it's not a mano-a-mano, yeah. and it's, uh, it supports the gameplay pillars. So mostly combat and stealth. Supports lethal, non-lethal, combat, stealth, exactly. all those things. Yep. Okay. Anything to add? No. Well, my my point of view is that it is a, a boss fight, oh, <laughs> but um, not in the same way as we have in Human Revolution. Revolution, because um, like Antoine said, you do have to fight someone, but it's more it's more of a bigger challenge than the whole DLC than a big boss fight, um, you against only one person. Uh, it, it's more difficult than than going through a, a level or something like that. Okay. So it's mysterious, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to sit here and watch you two argue about whether or not it's a boss fight. <laughs> He's just showing me a fist. Not great. I'll just shut up. We're now. locking this the is the way I, I deal with. Neither things. one of you can leave <laughs> until one of you is dead. Let's get a Thunderdome it. Yeah, yeah Thunderdome. That's awesome. We're the, I want a string. Just jump around with a chainsaw. It's brilliant. You're Master Blaster, and he can be Mad Max. No. Why? That's the, you can be like the little guy that goes on the. I'll be on your shoulders. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Hello. Talk about the talk about the achievements. Talk about the achievements more. Do it. All right. Uh, well, in terms of achievements uh, slash trophies for uh, the missing link, um, 
we do support a full you know list of them uh i think we got nine or ten 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 yeah, it's ten and uh yeah we we got ten and uh, the idea this time around was not to support all the basic gameplay pillars but more like let the player be a little bit more creative and there's one in particular that uh it's not a hidden uh achievement because it's as hard as can be for the the missing link is the, we call it factory zero and it's something that a lot, uh, surprisingly, a lot of people asked for this, especially on the floor. Most of the level designers were bugging me about it. And it's the idea that try to do the whole missing link without using anything. I like that idea. Including augments, weapons, items. I think you can you sort of use nutrients and, and meds. That's pretty much it. You can do, I think you can do some takedowns also. Yeah, everything that's basically it's factory zeros. When Jensen wakes up and starts playing, basically he walks around. Whatever he can do at that moment can be done for the rest of the missing link, and that's it. You pick up a weapon and you fire it, you're done. The achievement will not unlock. And uh, you throw a grenade, it's not going to unlock. But you can act level one. You can do like the regular takedowns. You uh, can lift. Objects. Yeah, Not regular objects. Super heavy if you objects, use a praxis point and you augment yourself, you're done. And so it's very, f it's really factory zero. It's meant to be hard. Uh, uh, but it's actually fun because when you do it, you're like, yes. I think you had it once, right? I had it once. You got it? You yeah, got yeah it? I, I did yeah. it. Yeah, it's doable. It was doable when I played it last. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, it's pretty hard to do. And it's <laughs> definitely. just looks at you like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's one of those achievements that are, you know, I don't think it's a necessarily a good idea to put it on a full game because that sort of takes away from everything. But for a DLC, it's very fun because it, uh, the experience is shorter. So it allows you to play it more and more and try different things. So that's one of the ways that a lot of us on the floor while working on it tried. So hey, might as well just do an achievement slash trophy out of it. I can hear a lot of people on the forum already asking this question, but can all the achievements be attained, obtained on your first playthrough? And with that one being there, it sounds like you can't. I, no, uh, we can't. I don't think so uh, for exactly that purpose. Uh, Factory Zero is very, you know, specific mm -hmm. but i think you can get uh there's one achievement that you need um an augment to achieve it really yeah uh pr oh probably yeah, yeah. which one <laughs> we'll play some sidetrack music while they consider this no, I got they got some elevator music oh yeah okay yeah, yeah okay there's one uh well it's another one <laughs> <laughs> okay no, I, I no. You can't you can't uh, do uh, the ten achievements in one playthrough. Uh, it's yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> Sorry, guys, that okay. talk on the forums, but you know you'll enjoy it nonetheless. That's fine. Gives us more replay value, right? That's the idea, though. Yeah. Not through achievements, but it's fun, and there's different ways to play it, and the story changes a little bit as well. So. Well, even with the choices we we have to make at what point at one point. You can, there's a lot of replay value yep. in that. Absolutely. You want to talk more about the achievements, David? Are you fine with that? I can go into more details, but I don't even remember the achievements, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it's like a blur of achievements. Part three is over. But before I go on to part four, the final one, I have two more questions from you. And two more responses from David. Here we go. Hey, 
Small question about your upcoming DLC, The Missing Link. How will the augmentation system work? Since the DLC is much shorter than the main game, will the player start off with a big chunk of Praxis kits to start off, or will there be a more minimalistic augmentation menu? David says, The player starts off with no Praxis kits at all, and during the period where you're not augmented, you accumulate XP at the same rate as the main game. Once you do find your conveniently placed equipment, you also find seven Praxis kits and a weapon that is determined by a choice that was previously made in the DLC. My, 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 David. So mysterious. Alright, final question. Will we see any of the cut content other than the missing link return in DLC, e.g. Upper Hengsha or Montreal Hub? P.S. I love your game. Haven't stopped playing it since its release and just wanted to say that I've been playing games for over 20 years and this game ranks in my top 5 of all time in no specific order along with Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. Smiley face. The game I compare all games up to to see if they succeed in many ways your game has taken that spot for me. Love your work. Hope to see you again. Smiley face. David says. Thanks for the love! Exclamation point. And to answer your question. None of the DLC is quote-unquote cut content. During the production of a game, content that is cut is usually cut for a reason. So when it was time to create the missing link, the team started from scratch. This was created specifically to be an expansion of the game. So, there you have it. Even though we're done answering questions on this episode, you can always reach us on our Tumblr, idosmontreal.tumblr.com. And now, Act 4. It is, yeah. It is really? No, no, it's tomato. Tomato juice. So the tech. Yeah, tech. Um, well, I can talk a gameplay, like game designer uh, perspective on the tech. You can't exactly go down into like how the tech was refined. Yeah, I don't I don't code or I don't... It looks do neat stuff. though, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that that was... We, we mentioned that before on the, on the podcast is the... Some of the technologies that were being developed for the engine uh, didn't quite make it in human revolution because at one point you sort of have to stop production and sort of close it down so you can debug and just ship it. Mm. Uh, so some of those texts didn't quite make it. Uh, so it happens with every title. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Every you know, it's like a it's like a R and D cycle. It's mm -hmm. Just basically, you keep on going with the tech, and then just the next game, the next engine, whatever gets the new thing. It's like F one racing. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't get everything at one go in a car just throughout the season they upgrade stuff you have to ship at one, one point exactly yeah. so you need to stop you need to sort of package this thing so it works and it's actually stable <laughs> so with the missing link the one of the the thing that was cool is we didn't really have a lot of programmers uh for support so we had to be a little clever on this so one of the things that we did is bring in uh frederick chapard which is a really uh brainiac uh, in terms of what can be done with the uh, visuals, uh, shaders, textures, uh, the way everything works together, the lighting, uh, some of the uh, ambience uh, effects, uh, occlusions, and all these little details that push it push the edge in as much as possible. So, one other thing that's really noticeable in the uh, in the missing link is the lighting itself. Um, I won't say that it's volumetric, but it looks beefier. It looks more alive, and it sort of projects the uh, the rims. Uh, that you'd see from um, any kind of lamp, for example, on a wall. So instead of just being a 
ball of light now we get more details more texture on the on the textures themselves on the in the environments and that also reflects to the characters when you see like for example an npc just strolling by just like on his patrol uh the detail on his armor uh on on all the textures on the character and the shadows that are being cast have more details as well so you get more refined um little things that you can notice um, and that's one thing that makes kind of a big difference uh, for storytelling as well because the environments like I mentioned that before but the missing link is a little darker mm-hmm. uh, it's not like uh, just a metaphor it's actually the, the environments are dark the lights are brighter uh, it's more harsh it's more like a, the environment doesn't really like you that much and mm-hmm. it doesn't really wants you there so you get a little bit of that as well. We have um, uh, Adam Jensen, when you start, uh, we've seen that at the demos. Uh, he's been sort of questioned and beaten. And because of that, because of that, uh, you see him like a uh, bare chest with bleeding and everything from his nose and the ears. And he's got, bl- it's that, that kind of detail was not, would not have looked so well, so good. And human revolution as it does now in the missing link because the you know you see the more details on the skin and everything that's the kind of stuff that Fred has been working on a lot uh, it, it it makes the, uh, the the game look more alive and when you travel through environments I mean uh, Dominic or lighting guy basically went completely crazy with the new lighting and working really really hard over time to make sure that most of the environments have their own little stories to tell. That's when you mention a lot of the reds. Uh, we got more prominent science, uh, a little bit of green, got some heavy reds, a uh, bit of yellow as well in the, in the environments. And it, it tells a bit of a story depending on the environments you're in. And that's stuff that we couldn't really do that well before. So thanks to the improved technology, I guess, it helps immerse the player in the world. Absolutely. And, and the idea that Adam is wounded and all this stuff. Yeah. So. That's good. Uh, too bad Mary's not here. She can't comment on that. Yeah, she. <laughs> but that's good because she, uh, you know, she'd give me a look again. Uh, <laughs> we got the same thing with the uh, special effects as well. Uh, a little bit of the sounds. I don't think that sounds. Uh, uh, you know, the music is very prominent in the Missing Link as well. Tells again a bit of the story. Bit of the story. Final art and everything. In Gate Two, we had everything we needed in the Missing Link. Hacking was there. The patrols, basic patrols were there. Everything was there. That's experience. That's bringing all the experience, all the veterans from Human Revolution right up to the Missing Link, jumping in right away and making it work. So for gameplay, it's the same thing. I didn't do any heavy game de- game designing or anything. It's just like bringing some ideas together, uh, working really closely with the level designers, with the artists, to make sure that the story is well told and the player can actually just go through it. Uh, we didn't have to do any big pre-productions or anything like that. It's just like bringing everything in, using the new tech, just mashing things together and making it work. <laughs> That's what we do here, just smash things together. We and smash like, things together works. a lot. Yeah, we smash fridges together. And we like it. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, we have like two minutes left, so if you want to well, say there's anything. Well, Matwan pretty much told everything, but um, for the, for the cutscenes... Um, we we worked a little bit on the facial animation. Uh, it's it's a little portion of the the tag that we uh, we tweaked. So uh, Jean-François Metat, our animation director, uh, worked a lot on that uh, prior doing the cutscenes. So they 
I think they they look a lot better for the facial. So um, yeah, it's it's another improvement we we have in the the missing link. That's good, David. Anything to add? I think that's going to be it then for this one. Unless you guys have no, you're cool. It's awesome. The missing yeah. link is so awesome. Don't miss it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. Anyways, what uh, is the missing link? The missing link. <laughs> is, the missing link is coming out later uh, this year in October. Yeah. So don't miss it. It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, marketing. Hey, just doing my job. Not really. Actually, it's David's job. That's David's job. Mike? We'll, we'll get David to say something at the end in the outro. No, but the missing link. <laughs> That's sponsored by Kyle, the, the dog kicker. The dog kicker. Oh, yeah. All right, we're done. As always, I'd like to say thank you to the community. Until next time, I'm Kyle Stolick, the community manager at Idols Montreal, and you've listened to EMP. Mm-hmm.